0: Here we are, Empires of the Future, talking about the third place. Yes. What? Thir- third spaces. Yeah. What is, what is uh, a third place? I, I, I didn't even... I, I thought about checking you ahead of time if you knew what the first and the second place were, but I'm going to put you on the spot. What's the first and the second place then,
1: Tim? The, the first and second place, uh, I believe according to um, the sociologist that kind of came up with this term, his name is Ray Oldenburg. Uh, the first and second places he he outlines as home would yep. be the first place, yep. uh, your your house, and then your workplace would be right. your second place. Right. And so third spaces then would make up something outside of those two spaces, mm-hmm. uh, a place where you can go and hang out, relax, have conversation, um, just very much like decompression space, mm-hmm. pleasure space, not work and not obligation yep. and not home
0: right yeah it's really wild to think that um like people have lost not only the third place uh but in a lot of ways what we've heard is that people have lost uh the second place you know that going to work it it, it honestly it's really been surprising to me the last couple of years seeing people hearing people kind of say yeah i don't i don't, I don't want to go and into work i don't want to see any of those people you know? yeah. i mean honestly i'm like wow yeah you don't like any of the people that you work with yeah. um because that would have been i i mostly saw all the people that i uh work with you know uh church was different a uh, church office uh, is uh he's a funny place though because it's, it's yeah. a lot of coming and going yeah. um in general um but i i have heard that i've heard certainly heard people who said you know yeah i, I wish you know I wish I could have gone into work. I'd rather be around people. I've heard a lot of crazy stories about people sitting and working in their cars all day uh, because um, I'm sure there uh, have been some crazy stories about uh, productivity and lack of it. Um, A friend of mine had to end up working in his car on a tablet um, (laughs) because they couldn't work in the office. And then when they sent them home, they said, no, no, productivity got too low. But then um, they didn't want to bring him back during one of the COVID upsurges, so they ended up sticking him in uh, their cars. I'm sure it was one of those things that, like, well, let's just try this today, and then it just kept on lasting. And then, I mean, he told me a hilarious story about how he's sitting in his car on a tablet doing a safety, uh, like a safety training, <laughs> where they're telling you how to sit properly at your computer, and he's <laughs> hunched over. <laughs> in his car on a tablet. Yeah. Uh, but then when gas prices really shot up, they're like, wow, this is super expensive to let people sit outside in their cars and work all day. Never mind. Let's let's go back in, in yeah. person to work. So there's been some crazy stories. What a around. funny
1: thing. Yeah, Yeah, you know, it's it's funny to me as I was reading this article. Uh, I think as a pastor, and I think you could probably relate to this, um, I very much find that the third space – by the way, I, I thought it said third space – I've, I've been calling it third spaces this whole time, and hmm. it looks like it says place, but I might still say space. I think, I I think, think that's cool. pretty interchangeable. Yeah. They're not
0: exactly very uh, descriptive. Yeah, words.
1: Um, the the second place, the place of work, and the third place. I think for I probably this isn't the only profession, I'm sure, but I think but for pastors, sometimes those lines can become very blurred. Sure. Because sure. uh, when I think about Kind of the goals that are accomplished through the third space third place I uh, very much like the same kind of people who are also at my yeah. second space yeah. are very much a part of my third space also yeah. not exclusively maybe but um, very much so and I, I don't think that's a bad thing I think that's just the thing
0: yeah um, so we should say that, uh, the official name of this article is do yourself, a Fla- <laughs> do yourself a flavor. a flavor, do yourself a favor and go find a third place. And it is out of the Atlantic by Ali Conti, C-O-N-T-I. Uh, so we appreciate her work on this, uh, very useful third article, I've, uh, third article, very useful article I've read before about third, uh, spaces, third places, um, and, and their importance, uh, I think Bob Putnam Bowling Alone is one of the most um, yeah, yeah kind of important works on this. Al Bowler talks about uh, Bob Putnam and Bowling Alone. And if you can um, imagine, I think the title, while uh, it's such a funny, simple title, but um, I, part of what's funny about Bowling Alone and that idea, um, I mean, I was born in 1980, so I remember the era of— um, all of these communal activities that existed yeah. and working at First Southern Baptist Church, which really thrived uh, during the 80s. I mean, the, the new building, uh, the, the building was built in 86. And mm-hmm. so we have skates because skating was <laughs> huge in the 80s. We used to have a racquetball court. Racquetball uh, was bigger then, but there's um, stories that travel around about uh, softball leagues. They're yeah. traveling and, and, I mean, I remember... In my dad's just like local softball league, we traveled halfway up the state of Illinois because there was a championship for just this <laughs> softball league for guys in their 30s, you yeah. know, and and these things don't really happen uh, in any sort of general regular sense. You know what I mean? Uh, but in the 80s, a lot of this kind of stuff went on. They were not hurting for third spaces in the 80s. And um, I think we are certainly now. Yeah, I think you know we're gonna
1: get into all of this as we work through the article, I'm sure. But I think um, you know we are hurting for third spaces, but I don't necessarily think that the hurt is primarily driven by the lack of accessibility to right. third spaces. Right. I think it's primarily driven from a lack of desire yeah. for third places. Yeah. That's what I
0: think. Yeah, I think that um, I think that in the '80s, for instance. We can make this podcast a – man, weren't the 80s great? You weren't there, but hey. Um, I heart the 80s podcast (laughs) with Jackson Uh, What's funny is I'm sure a lot of this stuff happened very naturally because there was such a desire and a general effort on people's part just to get together. Yeah. That common interests were not so hard to find. Um, A lot of people wanted to play softball. Mm -hmm. So they just kept on making bigger and bigger softball leagues. This is not rocket science. A lot of people were just willing and interested to do it. And the more things these you put together, the more people showed up. Um, It is it is this is not like uh, certain other things like this is not a technology problem uh, in the positive sense. It's not like we don't have the technology to figure out how to get people together. Right. In, in, in fact, what we're probably doing is, uh, we are attempting to use technology to stay apart and act like we're together. And that's a part of, uh, what's yes. going on and what the problem is. Um, and so this is, this is an article about kind of encouraging people to get out and find a third space again, that if you have left it behind, uh, go and find it. And I, I love the way she starts. So, uh, I'll read her opening uh, lines here. On a Sunday last year, I was walking through a suburban neighborhood in Pennsylvania, heading home from an early afternoon meditation class. One of the nondescript stucco houses had a curious sticker on its mailbox reading Max Club. I checked Google Maps to see if I was standing next to a cleverly disguised business, what might pretentiously be referred to in a city as a speakeasy, but nothing popped up, so I peeked inside the house. That's where I spotted a pool table and a middle-aged guy sitting at the end of a long mahogany bar, drinking a Bloody Mary by himself. Apparently, I'd stumbled upon a social club meant for residents of the neighborhood. Though at first, the bartender was incredulous that i just walked in, he soon rewarded my sense of adventure with a Guinness on the house.
1: We should note real quick for all you good Southern Baptists out there that a Guinness is a form of beer. Okay, yeah. Just so you know. That might have been confusing.
0: Right. I, so she is an interesting person. I, I looked up her bio and, you know, she works as like a, a private investigator in addition to being a, um, a writer. Obviously. I did not.
1: I, I know nothing about Ali Conti. I stumbled across this article that happened to be by her. That's the only thing I know about her.
0: Right. And I mean, cause honestly, my first question is like, well, that's a little uncharacteristic for a woman to just be roaming a city looking for, you know. Stuff to get into. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and then finding a, a sign and going, well, I should probably just, you know, check out Max Club and see what it is. Yeah. Um, but that's exactly what she was looking for, and she did find it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fascinating.
1: <laughs> I did not know she was a private investigator, but it's fascinating. She's clearly very bold. I, I can't imagine walking down the street and seeing a sign uh, and then... First of all, investigating further, but then walking on in, you know, right. just kind of helping yourself, and I think, like the bartender, I would have been pretty surprised, also. Well,
0: and in a suburb, you know, she says she's yeah. in a suburb. I, you, yeah. I, I would bet you you could drive the suburbs of this suburbs of this town um, all day yeah. <laughs> and not find something like this. Yeah, you so, know, good on him, good for him. You know what I think of? I think of uh, right
1: down here on Washington Avenue. There's like a house that is like a sort of business. It's not a, not a social club, but it's a palm reading, like uh-huh. psychic yes. business that I guess someone runs out of their house. Yes. And every time I drive by, it, I'm like, man, what a funny thing that that house is just also a palm reading. Right. <laughs> place. I used to get my
0: haircut in the uh, connected, it's in the same house. At the palm reading place. Yes. I used nice. To get my haircut there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you get it all done at once. That's right. Read my palm, cut my hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, she found this in that neighborhood and it, it was, uh, it, it was interesting the way she kind of phrased it. So she says, quote, to me, the ideal hangout has a few components, spontaneity, purposelessness and willingness among the parties involved to go wherever the conversation leads them. And this one met all the criteria. Mm-hmm. End quote.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... It, I, I don't know. I think that's... She's kind of sort of outlining the definition of what a third place is a little bit to an extent. I am skeptical of any place being completely purposeless. I agree. Um, Now, that's... I think I understand where she's going. What she's trying to sort of getting at is we're not meeting specifically to accomplish... Right. um, You know... It's not our job. Right. This isn't my job. Um, I don't have the you know necessity of caring for children or raising them or, or mowing the grass or anything like that. Um, but I don't know that any gathering of individuals is ever completely without purpose. And yeah. I don't
0: know that we want it to be either. Well, and honestly, I I don't want to throw shots across the bow, but I think that's just not that well thought through on her part. Uh, as far, Maybe. Depending on what she means by purposelessness. Let me say yeah. that that way, because... Uh, leisure, which is what we're advising here, uh, is, is full of purpose. Oh yeah. Uh, Relaxation is supposed to follow work. Uh, And and so if, if you don't have that, you're out of balance. And, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's, that, that is where she's going, that, that that leisure. And, and a lot of people do sort of qualify it this way. Spontaneity, purposelessness, uh, go wherever the conversation leads them. Well, openness is certainly uh, desirable. Um, And so I get that, but and one of the things that I thought about in reading this is that, um, so first of all, I've run into the exact same thing that you have, um, in the sense that when you work at a church, your your kind of general social patterns overlap with sort of your work patterns, and it can create some kind of weird um, situations. Just in that, like, do these people know me, or do they just know their minister? Because people are funny around ministers. They uh, apologize for things that they do. Uh, You'll you'll get looks sometimes that it's like, oh, I'm not going to say things I would usually say because I'm here with you, which is not a great uh, sort of thing. You just kind of know, like, I'm not getting the real you. And I don't guess you expect, I don't know what you expect of me right now then. Because if you're trying to perform for me, then this is not friendship Exactly. Right. Um, all this to say that one of the things that I have uh, kind of responded with in my life is our running group, is that I, I have a group of guys that, you know, you're currently sort of uh, a part-timer or less mm-hmm. because of uh, your needs to get kids around in the mornings, but this is a group of guys typically not from uh my church, uh, background, uh, but we just get together and run and then sit and talk and drink coffee. And as you and I have said many times about the running group that while people may assume it's all about the running, it's at least as much about just kind of getting together and talking about anything that might come up. Yeah. And over the years, uh, many, many things have come yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. That, so
1: I was actually going to ask you if you had a third space would you say that that is
0: your third place third absolutely space? absolutely because i've had the same thing that you have that um yeah. i get uh, all kinds i mean one of the wonderful blessings of being a minister is you're blessed with all kinds of great relationships um encouraging people it's good to work at a church you you most of the time are in an encouraging space with people who are pretty good to work with and um and it's wonderful uh you have some hard periods But as far as uh, the the openness element is the main thing that drove me to want something like the running group. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, I mean, as as you know, we can, we get together. We don't run so fast that we can't talk. In fact, we usually, without... Without fail, we talk about something. But it doesn't have to be – it's been as serious as you can get. It's been as intense as you can get. We used to joke a lot uh, how the pace would always pick up when we were arguing – uh, which yeah. which happened more when our old friend uh, before our old friend Jason moved away we yeah. were, seemed like we were a little more uh, contentious just uh, quick to to argue points um but the openness that it could be about anything like frankly this morning when we ran we mostly uh we ran around circles over here at the gym and we were kicking a volleyball and most of the jokes centered around how it was a lot like a Mario Kart race cuz we <laughs> kept trying to knock each other over with the volleyball like a turtle show but it was yeah. it was not in any way that serious this morning but yeah. it is uh, it is open. There are no rules in, in, in the sense of, like, what are we here to talk about? Um, and so I, I get that. I just don't—I I don't know exactly what she means by purposelessness. Right.
1: Yeah, you know, because I think really—yeah, you're probably right. It's probably not very thought, well thought out because—I mean, she's writing this whole article, I, I feel like, as an attempt to propose that there is purpose in third spaces and yes. thir, third places— Uh, therefore, you know, I guess maybe she would say there is purpose in the purposelessness perhaps, but, um, you know, many of our conversations though, um, although spontaneous, although oftentimes very, very lighthearted, a lot of times about nothing or about silly things and that's totally fine, but we have some very serious conversations as well where, um, where we are presented with opportunities to encourage one another, to be encouraged by one another, to challenge one another yeah. on, on various important things. And so um, I think that's a good and valuable th- part of third spaces. And sometimes I think from her article, maybe she sees that as something maybe a little too heavy for something like a third space. And this is where I think about yeah, kind of that crossover between my second and third space being a part of a very small church, a pastor of a small church, and also being very young, I think I am at a place unlike someone like Pastor Dave here at First Southern, where um, he is well-seasoned in ministry. He is, um, I I think, extremely effective at what he does at pastoring. He's one of the best preachers that I know personally. Um, I think it's much harder for people because of his age, his maturity, his experience, um, his, his talent in the pulpit I think it's harder for people to view him uh, it, or people are much more likely to to treat him the way you were expressing earlier where they got to be careful about what they say yeah. maybe a sense of I I want maybe him to think well of me or yeah. um you know this or that and I don't I would say any of that it's a good thing and I don't think Pastor Dave would promote that someone do that around him but um I think when you're 29 years old um Pretty lighthearted, natured in general. The way I am, I think I am anyway. Um, I think it's very easy for people to, in a sense, almost forget that you're a pastor. Yeah. Which can provide a lot of candor, uh, but it can also provide a lot of closeness and and intimacy in those relationships that maybe wouldn't be there otherwise. And the fact that we're such a small church mm-hmm. helps too. Uh, it is very easy to develop for me to develop relationships right. with uh, with the men and women in our church. Um, So yeah, I I think, but all of that, with with all of that, there's purpose. Many of my third space kind of interactions happen at the church or specifically with church people before and after church events and things like that. Um, That's when a lot of kind of how that is fulfilled for me is fulfilled in those ways. And so I wouldn't necessarily always meet the criteria proposed by uh, Ali Conti here in this article of... What a third space is. And yet, I think the goal of what a third space seeks to accomplish, I find being accomplished um, with a lot of my second place uh, people
0: and in second place places. That seems made any sense. Yeah. And that's, um, I would say that is common uh, among people who work in a certain sort of environment. You know, I mean, I know people here who work at, say, the YMCA. Which is a nonprofit, and and I would bet that they would say similar things. That you, you're in a an environment where people can expect to spend plenty of time together, uh, where it's not uh, where it's not strange to have two or three extra things going on every week. I mean, I know you just had a camping trip with your guys uh, over this past weekend, and so you spent plenty more time uh, that way. One of the sort of postures of my life and your life and and therefore of this podcast in general is that, um, look, we have a bold proclamation and a bold kind of assessment of what uh, what our world is. And that is that it is a world that grew out of a lot of Christian ideas, but then has since sort of uh, developed uh, memory loss about that uh, and then is shocked to find uh, imbalance Uh, And and in particular, rather than being theoretical about this, I'm just going to say it like this. We had the Protestant work ethic, so we worked a lot. And then we worked so much that we forgot what we were working for. And now what we have kind of left is uh, some thought that work is all we should do. And then this realization that, wow, a life that is only about work is not very fulfilling. Mm Mm-hmm. So what about other stuff? Well, look, the, the biblical idea is that labor produces leisure um, that I mean, I, I resonate very much with the idea of uh, work hard and play hard. that you should expect that if you really push yourself on a given day at, at work that you should do something to relax. And, and even I've noticed there's uh, certain video games that I play that I call lean in uh, video games that it's intense. And when I've done a lot that day, even though I'm kind of tired, those are good for me because they can enable me to get all those thoughts out and focus on something else. But some games are lean back, that you just relax. And when there is no more exertion needed, that you just chill out. And I'm sure, sure a lot of people can resonate with uh, lean back experiences. Um, but with that said, uh, I think running fits in there too, because yeah. uh, my, my mind is clear. Mm-hmm. when I run and it's clear in a way that it's not in any other situation, whether that's because the energy is burning or whether there's uh, something to keep my attention enough on a physical thing to burn off nervous energy so that I can then get some clarity about mm-hmm. other things. Um, that, that does fit for me, uh, very well to have that. Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: you're exactly right. And, and so for me, you know, I kind of mentioned this, this place in between my second and third place, But just like you, the first thing that comes to my head when I think of my third place is our running, Mm -hmm. uh, running buddies, Um, and you know it's like three times a week, and as you said, I'm not able to join very much right now, and I feel the lack of that. You know, I I have you know a strong desire and feel like there is something missing, and the thing missing is not the exercise that I get from joining you guys for running, um, though that is there also, but more than anything, as you said. For me, what's even more valuable than the running is the time spent after we run. After we run, we sit down. We usually have a couple lawn chairs. We'll pull whatever parking lot we're in, whether it be state hospital or down on the Weinbach Weinbach boat ramp. Whatever the case is, we'll pull out the lawn chairs or sit on your tailgate, uh, drink some coffee, and just enjoy each other's company. And one of the things... So I was reading another article about third spaces, and, and they were saying like, Okay, how, how to find a third space, and you know what to be looked for. And one of the things that was mentioned was, um, note how whatever the place you're in, if you're looking for a third place, how it makes you feel. Like mm-hmm. what? It, how relaxed are you? If you are right. tense or on right. edge, right. 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 then you know what it might not be fulfilling that third space yep. need. Uh, but if you find yourself very relaxed and just comfortable, um, then that's a good thing, and that's mm-hmm. that's what you want in a third space. And man, that's what we get there when we. Uh, When we get together
0: and just enjoy coffee and enjoy each other. Yeah. Uh, And her next quote uh, is exactly what you're talking about. Uh, She says, quote, besides giving me the feeling that I'd flexed a muscle that had atrophied, the interaction was special to me because I found a classic third place in the suburbs where I least expected it. The term, which was coined by the sociologist Ray Oldenburg in the 1980s, essentially refers to a physical location other than work or home where there's little to no financial barrier to entry and where conversation is the primary activity. I uh, thought about, uh, I don't know if this is a meme or a joke, Uh, I just sort of heard it and seen it floating around the internet that um, talking about Jesus, uh, the meme goes, uh, the the miracle that Jesus did that I'm most amazed by these days is keeping 12 friends into his 30s. Oh, man. (laughs)
1: That's so sad. What a sad yeah. commentary
0: of our age. Uh, but so I get sad. it. I see it. I get it. Um, yeah. I see that, yeah, that, you know, your 20s are weird because in a lot of ways I, I felt that my 20s were a struggle And a lot to go like, I can do this. I can do this. I'll be useful. I'll be useful. And you spend a lot of time trying to prove yourself in your 20s. And a lot of times the turn does happen in your 30s that you're believed and then you're made useful. It's like, all right. We'll put you on, you know, work. Uh, we will have things to do for you. And so uh, that happens and uh, then you're busy. Yeah. And after that, you lose these friendships because friendships are a funny thing. I mean, um, yeah. I've seen a lot of people over the years that kind of put them on hold. And um, invariably what happens then is if you put people on hold, they go find somebody else to be friends with. And then when you come back yeah. to them, they're usually not available anymore. Yeah. You know,
1: and I love what you're saying. Cause I agree with it 100%. What's interesting about the article. And I kind of noted was that most of what she's talking about in the article isn't really about her emphasis. Isn't really on building relationships. It's on interacting with other people, mm-hmm. but she, she actually even kind of argues for, you know, meeting strangers and things like that. And, maybe trying out different third spaces and things like that. Um, And I'm not saying she doesn't think it's important, but her emphasis isn't really even on the building of relationships. However, I think that is an integral part of the value in third spaces.
0: Yeah, and it it seems short-sighted too, because I, I think the longing here is very much relationships. It's not just... Uh, if this is sort of a psychological article to go every now and then, you need to find somebody that'll kind of be your social trash can that you can just throw anything at them that you want. Yeah. I, I doubt that that would be uh, kind of her point, but I don't know that she gets to the point of saying like, what you need is friendships. Yeah. What you need is regular interaction uh, that is open and vulnerable uh, beyond what is home and what is work. Yeah. And uh, so certainly, you know, uh, we haven't really mentioned this yet because uh, working at a church, our circumstances are yeah. pretty unique, but uh, the church often provides exactly this uh, yes. for people. It is uh, a venue for people who are about the same things that you are about, and then you gain friendships and you build out of it, and that's a great thing about
1: yeah. it. Yeah, 100%. I-, I would propose my thesis statement in this podcast today, based on this article and kind of the argument for finding a third place, is that the church is the primary place to find that third place. Right. And, and there's no better third place that you could ever find. Now, you might need to make a modification from what the sociologists mentioned here or other people that argue for third spaces. You might have to augment their definition a little bit of what is a third place. Um, because certainly there, there is, within the church, there are certain um, obligations that are expected. There, are, there is a lack of purposelessness, so there, there is purpose in what sure. we do and, and things like that. And it's not completely spontaneous and, and all these kinds of things. However, the primary gist of what the, the goal is and the purpose of having these third spaces is met, is fulfilled um, in the community of the local church. Uh, and that's, I think, seen in, in various ways, um, but it's also an, an outcropping of, and what they are tapping into here is that the way God created us, they don't know they're tapping in on this, but they're tapping in to this idea that God did not create us to be alone. Yeah. He did not created, create us to be, as the article says, kind of atomized mm-hmm. individuals just living on our own Um Separated from, from the world, except for whatever sort of connection we get through social media, yeah. uh, which is not a real, genuine connection, I would argue. Um, but it's, a, it's an understanding of how God created us, and he, cre- he created us to be together in community with one another.
0: Right. I, I read, um, this is months ago, I read an article about how, uh, as far as mental aging, that one of the surest ways to keep your brain firing is to interact with different people. To, to not just be stagnant yeah. uh, in interacting with just a few people, but to engage with a lot of different ideas, a lot of different kinds of people. And, and it seems like in a lot of ways what we are doing is um, in a very... S- Small, like in a very extremely detail-oriented way, we're like testing every small element of well, what what do humans respond to this? How do how do humans respond to this? How about this? And then there are the there is the big picture, which is, hey, you should live in relationship and find your identity and community and in and and, it, and it's just like well, those are big questions that we might get to one day, but for the moment, we're gonna test and see if it makes people happier to roam the suburbs and try to meet somebody it's like well good but in the meantime hey why don't you consider that it might just be good to uh not just live for yourself and to have uh relationships that you commit to um rather than uh sort of being surprised that you need to meet people and engage uh, with other people yeah Uh, she continues on quote, the art of hanging out seems to be waning in cities. The American community life survey reported last year that only 25% of people living in areas with very high amenity access, uh, close to grocery stores, gyms, bowling alleys, and other ideal sites of chance encounters actually socialize with strangers at least once a week. In 2019, about two-thirds of Americans said that they had a favorite local place they went to regularly. That two-thirds has since dropped to a little more than half, according to the survey. So it was two-thirds. It went down to half. Honestly, um, I'm glad to hear that we're still at half. It's been very hard to gauge uh, the way that the response to the pandemic has been. it, It varied quite a bit, so I think it's pretty hard to gauge exactly where people are in general Uh, i would have picked up uh this idea that people had lost most social interaction so i'm glad to hear that people still have in their minds half of them yeah a place that they can go uh now that's concerning because that means half of them don't know of anywhere they can go if you want to talk about a recipe for loneliness yeah whoo yep you don't know a place you can go that is um that's scary, because anybody who's ever been lonely, uh, you need to realize that the feeling is only part of it. Uh, the other challenge, the other part of it is that you can't change it. Mm-hmm. You don't have a relationship that you can just go, well, I'll pour more more into this relationship, and that will help. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the thing about being lonely, is you're not able to know where to turn, and you don't have man, the emotional capability. Uh, you're so, uh, uh, I mean, this reminds me of a lot of things that um, C.S. Lewis said about education, that the task of the modern educator is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate irrigate deserts. You're dealing, mm-hmm. uh, spiritually, what our, what we have in our people is they're crawling through the, the wasteland, the empty desert, uh, just barely with enough nourishment to push on to the next oasis. And if they don't know where it is, then they're not going anywhere. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, you know, and I, when I hear that, you know, half of these people don't have that. One of the things I have in my mind is how are people in this survey? Because I, I don't know how many of them, they don't say how many of them surveyed were would call themselves Christians and how yeah, many wouldn't. Yeah. But one of the question I have for the people in this article, but also, you know, people in general is where are we classifying the church? Uh-huh. Are we classifying the church in the category of second places, as in basically, it's like work. Well, I don't think that's a good place to classify the church. I wouldn't think so. Um, I wouldn't think so either. Or are we just forgetting, forgetting about it altogether, not considering it in this in this way? And I think that's what a lot of people would do. They consider church to be well, that's just the thing I do once a week, right? Yeah. Every Sunday morning. Right. It's not really right. my third right. space,
0: right? And if you're defining it by conversation, um, you know. Uh, a lot of people aren't involved in kind of a small group where you wouldn't think of the church as a place for yeah. conversation, because if you're just coming to a worship service and it's not about conversation, typically that's not right the purpose. No. Um, and so you would not put it in this uh, place as a third place. And in that regard, then I-, I would guess sociologically, a lot of times it gets counted, you know, look, if they're not counting, say uh, working out at a gym, because that's too purposeful, mm-hmm. well, then they're probably not counting the church either. Um, and, and in that case, I would think that a bar is like your typical, I I would guess it it, it would be there typically what they're looking at as a third place. I don't know uh, beyond that. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. What do you think
1: about the idea of, it seems to me this might be the motivation for why churches do things like put a coffee shop in the church. Yeah, sure. Kind of the desire to create this third place, this third space. Uh, where they are encouraging people to be together, to yeah. enjoy each other, to "quote unquote" hang out. Yeah.
0: Um, what do you think about that?
1: Do you think that's a good thing, bad
0: thing? Do you think that's part of the motivation for that? I think I think it's a fantastic idea. Like, um, we should not uh, assume that our model of uh, doing church where it's like well obviously you have this huge building that you build so that once a week the group can all get together um in fact uh to go back to sort of the kind of high point thus far of first southern baptist church when they built the christian life center there were not nearly as many uh health clubs and gyms in this town and so it was staffed with uh, you know something like 90 people every week to keep it open 24 hours a day and it was it was open all the time i mean the family life center yes no kidding yes and i I need to know my first southern
1: baptist Church history
0: well and what's cool about it is it comes in exactly here it was that was done specifically to give people a place to go and you had the walking track you had the racquetball court ping pong and 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 a place where you just knew you could go and just be there and if you're going to build a space this size I think you need to have more of an idea of how to use it beyond just your typical, even if you have like, say, three meeting times a week. Well, again, that's that's it's probably like 2% of the hours in the week, and I don't think that's good enough. That doesn't warrant building a space that size if you don't have a plan for what to do with it mm-hmm. otherwise. Um and and often we don't. I mean, uh, what I heard a lot of sort of the philosophy of the '90s was literally, if you build it, they will come. So just keep building huge buildings. And I have been in, served in churches that kind of uh, suffered from building and then not turning out, and then having not just not just that they don't use it, the ninety-eight percent other than the meeting times, that they're not filling it with during the 2% of the times that they do have. yeah, Uh, And that is exactly the opposite of what I think uh, the Lord calls us to in stewardship to go, you know, hey, know why you're building something. Um, And a lot of what you would read now about buildings, even as far as worship services would say, like, look, fill four worship services before you try to build on to your worship center just because you're spending so much money on something that doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of not just the initial upfront costs um i had no idea of the bills of a church um yeah and you know i mean you're talking thousand dollar water bill
1: yeah
0: that and that's just you know one utility and when you get it that's your new normal mm-hmm. that's every month what you're going to be spending <clears throat> one good news <clears throat> one bit of good news is oh, i'm good thanks on, is that we we do have a school that meets uh, at the church, and that you yeah. know covers a lot more time. That's that's a very good thing. But I, I would think for for any church, you ought to have more uses mm-hmm. in mind. Try things. I, I am I am for churches that have daycares in them. Um, you want people to be in the space. Yeah. Yeah. You what know, we you think about it. You
1: mean you? Oh, I I, I also agree that it's a good thing. Um, I I think, yeah, I, as I, we read this article, we're already kind of to this point, but if we think that there is a need for third spaces, that there's a value in third spaces, and if we think that the church can and should be a viable solution to this problem, to this gap, to fill this need, which I think so, because there's no better way to fill this need than in a gospel-centered way, um then I think churches ought to consider, okay, how can we help foster third spaces? Yeah, Uh, Yeah, um, that's true. How can we make this a possibility? And I think it is something churches should should think about and think through. Now, how that plays itself out is one thing. If the church builds a coffee shop in their church and starts charging for their coffee with the intention of we're looking to make some money, well, then maybe you're not doing what you set out to do. But I think if a church is desiring to make a space— supplying you know whatever ingredients they feel like would be helpful to foster a a sense of community togetherness um then i think that's a good thing and if a church decides a sort of laid back coffee shop to do that then i think that's just fine um i think it needs to be marketed in that way um marketed that sounds terrible i think it needs to be presented in that way to the church um and to to the community or whoever it is that you're presenting it to but um, yeah I, I think it's a good thing in any time that it's the same reason we have coffee served at our church we just have I mean something fancy right. uh, we serve whatever sort of coffee the person who bought the coffee that week or that month whatever right whatever they decided to, to buy and brew a uh, couple you know kind of tall carafes full of coffee and we encourage people hey come early yep. and hang out and drink some coffee and right. and talk and and that's just an expansion on that just an expansion
0: of that. Idea of fostering a sort of third space? Right. I mean, originally, uh, to my understanding, uh, most churches met in the homes of sort of wealthier individuals who were able to provide the space. And mm-hmm. um, we, uh, one thing that I can be certain of as you look at sort of models of doing church is that um, all of the implications are not always thought through. And then the assumption, you know, you, you get a couple of generations into a model and everybody just kind of goes, well, that's the normal way to do it. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, that doesn't mean that. You don't have weaknesses or that you haven't thought through parts of it. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think it's really important and, uh, and a takeaway that is, is good uh, from this because you can encourage community. You really yeah. can. You can't make yeah. people have community, but you can certainly encourage it. Um, I, I, she leans into this, so let's read on. She uh, says, quote, when city dwellers were largely confined to crowded tenements, they were forced out into the world which often meant hanging out with strangers in taverns. But as time went on, leisure became privatized. Living conditions improved. People chose to sit with their nuclear families in front of the television. This is similar to the diagnosis of modern American life that Robert Putnam put forth in his seminal work Bowling Alone, though Heyman notes that the problem has been exacerbated since the book came out in 2000. Today, people frequently spend their leisure time in solitude with their personal screens. Now we have on-demand streaming and social media, which are further extensions of that fundamental shift, he told me. It is shocking to my mind to think. Bob Putnam writes Bowling Alone in 2000. Yeah. I I know for you, 2000 had a whole different uh, kind of tenure, but I was 20, and I, and I was kind of entering into the adult world, seeing how it's done, and... You could see that this trend existed, that people were spending less time out and more time by themselves. But if you think that there was enough in 2000 for Bob Putnam to go, you know what, this is concerning. I'm going to write this book. And then think of all the things that have happened in the last 22 years that keep people from engaging with each other. And in case, you know... Um, since this is pretty individualized and if there's anyone listening to this that kind of goes, I don't know if this is that big of a problem. Oh, I, I really do think it's a big problem. When One of the uh, advantages that I have in my job is when you deal with teenagers, you see uh, trends. Trends and teenagers have gone together for a long time. And one of the strangest trends in the past, uh, say, five years is the not getting together trend, you yeah. know, literally because getting together is sort of, uh, lost in favor of, well, we can just sit at home and text each other, uh, or FaceTime or whatever. Um, not getting a driver's license so that you can physically be together. Uh, I've talked about this on previous episodes of the podcast, but, uh, it just bears mentioning to anyone who doesn't know that, uh premarital sex is down. And while I believe that sex should be reserved for marriage, I'm not excited by the fact that I think what's behind that is complete lack of relationship on the part of teenagers and, and that loneliness idea, the lack of ability to make relationship. Mm -hmm. That's concerning. Mm -hmm. It's really concerning because you can't just flip that switch and kind of go, well, now I'll be socially able and go make relationships. Um, No. (laughs) Uh, If you haven't heard the term incel, there are many, uh, especially young men who end up involuntarily celibate because they don't know how to engage. They've set their life in such a way that engagement with somebody of the opposite sex is just not working out. And so there's that that whole trend, which is coupled with a rise in anxiety, uh, rise in uh, depression, uh, suicide attempts, uh, especially among young ladies, lots of concerns among teenagers. And a lot of this is traced to social media concerns And say, the last five to Eight years and so to think of all the things that we've encountered the last 22 years since bowling alone was written when already this was on the decline like i'm trying to think of in 2000 what is causing this and it's like what mtv road rules uh you know like the things that were causing it then are are lightweights compared to what yeah. i think is pulling people away from each other now
1: yeah 100 that is that is absolutely one of the major themes that has to be addressed throughout this this article is the fact that, yeah, the the amount of entertainment that we are saturated with, and when I say entertainment, I mean at your fingertips. Right. You don't have to go anywhere. Right. You don't have to work for it. Right. Uh, the, the amount of it is just more than anyone could consume in their lifetime. And so you're exactly right. I think about in the 1990s. Here, I tell you what I think about is the show Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah. When I think about yep. the show Seinfeld... I think that is a show almost exclusively filmed in third spaces Mm -hmm. where it's these four people or maybe one or two more, but it's this group of friends who are just having conversation in different places. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they're in monks, the little mm-hmm. coffee shop on the corner. Sometimes yep. they're in the laundromat. Sometimes yep. they're in Jerry's apartment. Yep. Uh, you know, but but largely that's what the show is. It's the show of third spaces, right?
0: And Friends is the same way. Friends is the
1: same way. That's yep. exactly right. Cheers yep. is very much the yep. same way. Also, a more a more um, formalized third space, perhaps. Right. But right. Um, and one thing that you notice if you watch the show Seinfeld is that there's very little. Sitting at home and watching TV, right? If Seinfeld, well, it's not very entertaining. First of all, but it's, well, sure, <laughs> right. but uh, but they don't even really talk about it. it yeah. If the concept of the show Seinfeld was filmed today, it would just be a show of people sitting at home watching right. Netflix or on right. their phone on right. Facebook, whatever. Right. And I think about the fact that when they wanted to to be entertained, it was we have to go somewhere right. together. Uh, to be entertained. Mm -hmm. So if they wanted to see a movie, they had to go to the movie theater, wait Mm -hmm. in the line, Mm -hmm. decide what they wanted to see, wait in line to buy the tickets and then go see the movie. Whereas now, when we want to watch a movie, we say, well, let's peruse through Netflix, see what's on. Oh, nothing that I want to watch on there. So I'll look through Disney Plus, nothing that I want to watch on there, Paramount Plus, and you can just go through the whole list. Um, uh, You know, all of that. And we haven't, just an endless supply of that right. at home, right. whereas for them it was: if we want any sort of entertainment yeah. beyond the five channels that we get on our TV or whatever it is, we have to go and do it. Mm-hmm. We have to go and, and go bowling or go looking for this sort of right. this sort of activity, entertainment um, or, or leisure in general. Mm-hmm. Now we are so inundated with it,
0: right? Um, yeah, yeah. It's like the temptation that is, is so powerful in our times is like vicarious living. Hey, can you be satisfied with just kind of living by watching other things happen? Um, and and while I, that is popular, and, and look, I mean, I will be I, I will be impressed with anyone who would say, "No, I don't have any YouTube channels that can just really pull me in. I don't have any TV shows. There's nothing that can keep me any longer than I want to be there." I just the other day through a YouTube channel, you know, I'm subscribed to something like 300, Uh, and through one of my YouTube channels, uh, a guy named Joseph Pierce, who is a a Catholic theologian, was talking on one of these interview uh, channels about how he doesn't have a TV in his house. And I, I thought, how strange that this is the first time I've heard this. I can't tell you the last time I heard somebody say I don't have a TV in my house. And it's, it's an intentional choice on yeah. his part. He doesn't want his life to be dominated by, yeah. uh, by that. And, and, and you can see the line of Tolkien. You know, If, 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 if anybody has seen The Lord of the Rings, uh, the Palantir stones are, uh, are sort of a reference to the concern that Tolkien had about TVs and what they were doing to us, that being able to see from afar, see a different life, something else that's happening far away, what does it do to you? And, and like so many other things... We answer, I I don't really know, I just sort of use it. And it's just kind of like, okay, what evidence do you have that it's like going well, or that it's good for you? I don't know, I'm not really any good evidence, I just kind of like it. It's like, yep, that is a part of our times, this sort of, well, uh, we're maximizing this, what it's doing to us, don't really know, probably not great, but it is uh, keeping us busy, moment to moment, and that's where we are.
1: Yeah, and we, like the Hobbit Pippin, uh, just we just have to look. yeah, I just want to look at it yeah. one more time. I just yeah. can't can't resist yeah. right uh, but the, the problem is you know you don't know who it is that's actually controlling that thing and and many times uh, you know the devil is perfectly content to have us um, just sitting in front of a screen doing nothing and, it, and this is not intended to be a podcast hating on television or, or Netflix. I do have a television and I do watch Netflix. Right. And, uh, and Disney Plus and these things, and so it's not not to say that, but it is to say all of these things we need to realize, we need to recognize, are contributing to many of the problems that we see. Things like depression, anxiety, even just loneliness. Yep. You know, yep. even loneliness. It may not be a, a a quote unquote clinical issue, but it is a problem.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and if nothing else, I think that this can help us to categorize what we have and what we're missing in our life if if you have a sense that you're lacking fulfillment especially in terms of relationships um it's going to take vulnerability and it's going to take yeah. consistent effort and and it's worth it yeah go ahead and give it that um because because uh, look i can tell you this that it, the the joke about jesus and his 12 friends you will lose relationships in your life. You you will just have a consistent sort of you'll reach out to somebody and they won't reach back and you'll just kind of go, okay, well, that person at this phase of their life didn't have a whole lot of time to interact. That's going to happen, but you can't let that discourage you uh, and you can't let it sort of trick you into thinking, well, I'll just watch another show or I'll, watch another hour of YouTube, and then I'll probably feel better. Well, you, you probably won't. I mean, it, yeah. it, entertainment has this peculiar sort of effect on you to uh, make you forget for the time being where you might be emotionally, but uh, it doesn't it doesn't do a lot for you. Now, the concern is real in terms of, I would relate this very much to sort of uh, kind of our physical diet. Uh, a lot of people, it's, it's, it's so funny to me. Like if you listen to kind of psychologists talk about uh, why people are getting fatter in this country. <laughs> They're perplexed in, in, in some ways. And that's, in some ways it's understandable because it's like, okay, you can't bring it down exactly to one factor. Well, that's when the general high view, I think, helps you. That, look, we when we have grandparents who can tell us about times when there were dramatically fewer options of what to eat, like my grandmother, Grandpa could have told you. I mean, there's a reason he could sit in the chair and just eat a whole bag of pork rinds. They have a whole lot of stuff like that when he was a kid. You know, this, he comes around and you're like, wow, this is great. Um, but we all know what that is to have uh, lots of products with uh, good tasting. High fructose corn syrup mm. and fats, and and stuff that is immediately appealing to you, yeah. and you don't think about the long term consequences while you're eating the bag of Doritos. That's just not where you're at. Nor do the, do the Doritos encourage you to do that. And I think in the same way, these YouTube channels uh, and our, our what I call micro entertainment, uh, you're not you're not thinking. Uh, your your reptile brain is not kind of going, oh yes, let's think through if I should keep clicking, if I should keep letting that. That, that circle fill and just go on to the next video or whatever you want to think if you're on Netflix or wherever you are. But we do it. Yeah. We, 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 uh, we are, it's not like we're making a positive choice to go, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to give myself to this. Just little by little, this is there. And so we need to look it in the eye and go, okay, what is this? Well, it is, it is things that we've always had a weakness for. If you went back to ancient Greece and you said, hey, everybody, what would you think about never-ending plays what if the plays just kept happening 24-7? And they were like, how much would it cost us? And we'd say, not very much. And they would go, okay, make it happen. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. this is, every era of uh, people would go, I, I, I think entertainment is great. Yeah. Um, and we just, I view it, in some ways it's a matter of prayer. Okay, Lord, what are you doing that our generation has access to this much entertainment? Well, I don't know exactly, but I do know that, uh, we are responsible for what we do yeah. with it yeah. and that we can, as we recognize what it is, when you recognize that it's not fulfilling, well, don't give yourself to it. Yeah, uh, Give yourself to it less. Yep. You got into it little by little, get out of it little by little. Yeah. And And these things, they have a place. I mean, if labor produces leisure, where I put a lot of these things is at the end part of my day after the other stuff is done with. And that's where a lot of these things fit. You know, I watched a movie last night. And it's fine. Yeah. Uh it, it, I what movie did you watch, Jackson? I watched uh, a movie with Tommy Lee Jones, something about Shades in the Mist or it was a he was a police officer in Louisiana investigating murder. Oh, okay. So, All right. Tommy no. Lee. Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, and 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 it, leisure fits when you have done what needs to be done for that day. Leisure comes along nicely. Um, but we can't have so much of it we can't fill our, our lives with so much of it that yes. we lose what is meant to be the meat and the potatoes of life. This is a dessert and we got to let it be a dessert. Right. Uh, you know, feasting on cheesecake is good until you've only eaten cheesecake for like a week. It's going to be bad. Then yeah. any, any sort of dessert is just not going to hold out for you. Um, and, and we've got to change that. I mean, uh, She says here, quote, so what's replaced hangouts in the city? In many cases, I'd consider them airsats third places, she says, establishments that are either too expensive for the average American or apparently designed to disincentivize lingering. Think Mm -hmm. carefully curated faux dive bars that serve $15 beer and shot specials or parks like New York's High Line that are built to be moved through in a linear fashion. Now, this was a total left field for me. I didn't know these places existed and— I would think this is a very sad sort of response. It's like, yeah. Hey, let us streamline your leisure time for only people like you. And then we will, you sit here as long as you can pay the $15 a beer or, or whatever. That's not, you don't want to come out of a leisure experience going, well, there's $200 I dropped that I <laughs> hadn't planned on dropping today. Right. Did that, yeah. did this part strike you as odd?
1: Um, kind of, sort of, I think what she's getting at, um, in, in talking about these, I think what I take from it is that don't tr- I, I need to not trust businesses to actually be about you know wanting me to have a good third space. Right. What businesses are about and what they care right. about primarily right. is making money. Right. Right. And many businesses have, to, have decided the best way that I can make money is A, to have a, a great third space, but make sure that you have to pay to use it by yeah. charging $15. Yep. Yeah. Uh, for beer and shot specials, as she says, um, so either you know it's really going to cost you to really enjoy this third space, right. or um, my best way to make money off of you as consumers is to get you in and out as fast as I can. Treat right. you like cattle. Right. Um, I don't. I don't take offense to this. You know, businesses are about making money. That's their right. incentive. Right. Um, I. I think there could be an argument to be made for a business that could effectively create a third space. Um, maybe that would have enough appeal that they could create a good business model mm-hmm. off of that. But, you know, many businesses have concluded and, you know, most of the fast food places that we eat at are proof of this, Right. that are, their goal is not to create some great third space. It's to create uh, a space that can get people in and out as fast as possible.
0: Right. And I mean, you could really qualify it as a form of a business that even has this third space kind of quality. I mean, coffee yeah. shops have traditionally been the highest point of it but these businesses it's not like you hear about a whole lot of these businesses because they're not thriving because people don't look to sit and chill and engage with each other yeah that much and until that turns uh they won't there won't be more of these kinds of business but i i would like to propose where i think we are is like um read about mars hill in uh the book of acts that Mars Hill was a place in ancient Greece where all the gods, and and in our modern terms, you could think of all the ideals are situated there, and it's just a, a question of, okay, which one will win out? One of the saddest things about the world that we live in is that because people are drinking of progressivism so much, there's this weird idea that, like, well, we must have arrived, but meanwhile we're so unhappy, a lot of things aren't working. Well, and folks, we've not arrived. In fact, we, we really are at a new start is where I think that we are, that we are so connected across the world that we have all these basic questions like, well, who's right about anything? And I think, I really think postmodernism, this whole idea, there's no truth. Well, that's not going to hold. Uh, it's just the easiest answer when there's so many different opinions uh, that the easiest answer is, well, maybe everybody's right well, that's just not gonna hold like and it's it's not and right. this response that I would characterize like well everybody should just do what they feel like doing well that's not working either no people are people are not thriving no in that and, and they need to start you, you, if, if you're hearing this and you go I need a third space you do then, you do. then find one and, and yeah. don't give up until you've found one because yeah. you do yeah you know what a lot of what you
1: just said I think Comes into play in the, this last paragraph that you have outlined here. Uh, I'll read it for us real quick. Yeah, it says Kathy Goofrey, a professor at Colorado College who studies third places, told me that a real third place can also contain an element of casual social aid. Social aid, uh, ultimately, she said, a world made up made up of atomized, physically isolated people is a world without a true shared reality, which is a recipe for civic disengagement misinformation, and perhaps even political extremism. Now, she clearly takes it in a direction based on what she's seeing in the culture around us right now. And and she's kind of proposing, it sounds like, uh, an explanation as to why we are at where we are at, I think. Um, But, you know, a lot of this is absolutely true. And what's also, I think, if I remember correctly, in the article, um, inside this same paragraph, she talks about what oftentimes you need in a third space. Uh, or what you need it in kind of these relationships that are formed, sometimes you need someone, uh, a shoulder to cry on. And if you don't have third spaces where you're building these kind of relationships, you're not going to have that shoulder to cry on. Sometimes you need to borrow a cup of sugar. Sometimes you need someone to watch your kid for for an hour or two while you go take care of something. Third spaces are where these kinds of relationships are developed and fostered. And when I hear these kinds of things, I, I also think third spaces where these kinds of things are developed, are developed to their greatest and most fullest extent within the church. Mm-hmm. When the thing that is uniting us is right. the Holy Spirit, right? And um, and I think about all of the commands throughout Scripture to build one another up, to bear with one another, to right. encourage one another, right. to, to love one another. I think uh, Paul says at one point, outdo one another in showing honor to each yeah. other. Um, man, what a good and healthy third space that is, where this is how we interact with one another. And that is what the church is called to be. And I think there's various reasons for why churches fail in that. Uh, But I think one reason is because largely, um, well, churches are made up of sinful people. You know, We'd like to think that wasn't the case, but we are, we're broken, we're sinful people. But I think largely we don't wanna put in that kind of effort. We just wanna see that kind of result.
0: Right. Yep. And that is uh, what we do uh, as as people. Uh, you know, uh, it's not convenient for other people to have problems, uh, but what we what what the need is here is a commitment to community. That yes. that you would go. I, I, I am I am up today, so you need to be okay with helping somebody else because uh, there's going to come a day when you're down. Yep. And and that they'll be there for you. Amen. Well, good deal. You got anything else? I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, this has been Empires of the Future. We will see you in the future. In the future.